love you. Welcome back to the Couch Potatoes. So happy to have you here. As always, it's always lovely to see your beautiful uds. Your uds? Your uds? eyes? Your spuds? Spuds? I don't know. Muds? I meant to say eyes, but I said uds. Yeah. And then I was they like, I guess lids. I was going for spuds. Are, were you like, were you trying to combine eyes and lids? Uds? And uds. I think what my brain was trying to do, I think my brain tried to autocorrect and go to spuds. I see. I think that's what I was trying to do. I see. Yeah. I don't know. It's 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 stalling a lot today. We just had daylight savings time. I uh, yeah. I went to bed last night at one. I have an internal clock, and my internal clock mm-hmm. always wakes up at, at six. It always like literally every day at six a.m. I am up, and like I don't need an alarm. I can just wake up right at six. I don't know why it pisses me off. <laughs> but I went to bed at one o'clock. And at two o'clock, daylight savings time kicked in here and here in uh, where we live in the good old U.S. Yeah. And because of that, at two o'clock, it miraculously became three o'clock. Mm-hmm. And somehow, still, at six o'clock, which used to be five o'clock, but at six o'clock now, <laughs> my brain still woke up. And I've been up and it feels very weird. I feel very off. Like I have like severe huh. jet lag all of today. I'm sorry. Where it's just kind of been like... Well, you did only sleep for like four hours. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm used to that, though, because I have bad, I've had bad insomnia for a lot right. of my life. So, like, yeah, lack of sleep, I can deal with that. But the jet lag feeling of it is just so weird. Well, last night at 10.50, I realized that in a few hours it was actually going to be midnight. So... I know that didn't make any sense, but no. it does math-wise. <laughs> uh, it was 10.50, so 11. But yeah. at 2 o'clock in the morning, that time that was 11 will be 12. Yes. So I was like, all right, might as well go to bed. <laughs> and I went to bed, and then I woke up at 9.20, so I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, you're the worst. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if this makes it better for you, but as soon as we were done recording Moonstruck, I just got so sick. Just oh, just no. the worst. Like the worst. I don't know if it's the worst I've ever had it, but it was the worst in a long time. Oh, man. Yeah. I hope it's not a, a Nick Cage curse and that you're just going to have oh, violent dude. poops after oh, every single God. time we talk Nick Cage. <laughs> That would be the worst, but it was so weird. I felt totally fine, and then I took my dog outside, and when we were outside walking, I was like, oh, crap, I do not feel well at all. Once you, inside, yeah, once you jostled them bowels. Yeah, just they just needed a jostle, I guess. And then I decided to give up coffee, even though I didn't drink a particularly yeah, strong amount. It's bitter. No, I love it. It's got that, I know, but all that acid, though, it doesn't. Right, right. It doesn't do your digestive system good. So, yeah, that's the sad, sad uh, hill I'm crying on right now. Yeah, that's our that's our spectacular lead into what we're talking today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the green traveler from Gorsh. <laughs> and I am the faceless Leon. This is Green and Faceless on the Couch, podcasts about movies 
NTV. You know, I don't know if anybody yeah. ever thinks about it, but like whenever I think of Green and Faceless on the couch, I literally think of it as like a double, a double entendre on, you know, you can be on the couch green and faceless. Like you're just completely fucking sick. Oh, like, yeah. you know, and, and that is us today. We are, we are the other side of our title today. We are, the, <laughs> we are just like on the couch, just like, oh, I need a vacation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm too old for this shit. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're talking. We're talking Nightmare Alley by Guillermo del Toro, who I don't know why I said it like that, but uh, he, you know, he is. I've we've known him for a long time. We've loved his works for a long yeah. time. Uh, he became much bigger not too long ago when Shape of Water won Best Picture, uh, which again I'm really happy that did because I love Guillermo del Toro and I'm happy uh-huh. to see him get that kind of recognition at the Oscars. And it was a good movie, but, but it was a pretty we, good movie. Wasn't there something it was up against that we were like that we felt like was probably going to get it and it, and it didn't? I feel that way every single year though That's at, true. The, <clears throat> at the at the Oscars. True. You know, it's like La La Land and Moonlight. I was just like, yeah, La La Land's of course going to win. And then they call it and they're like, La La Land wins. I'm like, see. Oh, sorry. No, it was, it was it was Moonlight. Moonlight wins. Oops. And I was like, oh, well, I'm still wrong then. Okay. Like <laughs> I'm always I'm always wrong when it comes to the Oscar. That's why we're not even doing it this year. Uh, this these two are, I believe, I believe French Dispatch got Oscar nomination. Uh, if remember. it didn't, it should. Um, yeah, I can't remember. But Nightmare Alley at least has Nightmare Alley's gotten uh, I think quite a few. Uh, did I write it down? Yeah, Best Picture Cinematography by Dan Lauston, uh, Costume Design by Luis Sequera, and uh, Production Design. So it's like it got it got quite a few nominations, and I mean I after agree seeing with it, it's, most of all those, yeah, yeah, yeah all worth it. I think, uh, and I think we'll I think we'll talk Nightmare Alley uh, first. I do want to before we dive into both of these films. I know this is a, a surprise to you, Faceless Leon. Um, I saw two what? movies in the theater. <laughs> uh, we will be talking about them both later on i think i think we're gonna work oh, it in okay. our schedule to cover both of them i think they're on our schedule already but we don't know if they're gonna be streaming or not the first movie is i saw death on the nile oh, the right. latest uh hercule poirot film with kenneth bryan all as hercule poirot I'll, I'll talk about it in much detail sometime i'm sure i don't want to give it that much uh mm-hmm. time on the, this episode but it could, because it was just fun, it's a fun, it's a it's a fun installment. If they want to keep making it a franchise, I, I definitely keep coming back because I like Kenneth Branagh as Hercule Poirot. But everything else around it and and all the shit surrounding Army Hammer, uh, look it up, Google them if you don't know anything. But like, there's a lot of a lot of bad stuff coming up about Army Hammer, and he has a huge oh. role in this movie. And they they apparently tried to tone it down. I have no idea how they could have toned it down. So. Oh. Yeah, it's, it's I had ridiculous. no idea that there was a yeah. thing about Mr. Hammer. I would go into it. I don't know facts, so I don't want to say anything right. specifically incorrect or uh, alleged Fair in enough. that kind of regard. So I just say, just Google it. <laughs> uh, he's done some things. I will say that. And okay. uh, yeah, and it makes it it makes it a little weird to watch the movie because all that stuff came out after they had already filmed and. They tried to they tried to do edits, I guess, and reshoots, but there wasn't much they could do. But it's it's still fine. It was a fun movie, still. Just like Baby Driver. Yeah, <laughs> and then there's some weird uh, there's some weird green screen moments that me and my friend uh, I watched it with Professor Ronvald the Skull, and we, we there, there were some hilarious green screen moments where we were both kind of like 
pointing at the screen in the yeah, theater and just kind of like, like a, we want to fix this. <laughs> they, I'm sure they did it during the pandemic. Some of yeah, shots, yeah. You know. Yeah, I'm sure. And, and that's, that's again, with both of these films I'm going to talk about before our actual episode here, they were both COVID-made films. So, like, applause to them. Yeah. Uh, because the the other one I saw in the theaters, I have no idea how they could have made this in regards to COVID restrictions. It's The Batman. I cannot wait until we talk about The Batman. I'm very excited. Yeah. Uh, if you have the ability to, if you feel safe going to the theaters, if, you, if you're vaccinated, all that uh, fun stuff like I was, uh, go see The Batman. Please see it in theaters. It was fucking amazing. And yeah, that's all I will say. I'm very excited to talk about that later, but I want to give a little bit of a, a green ketchup in there because I did go back to the theaters and I wanted to uh, to commemorate that moment, I guess. Yeah. Because it's been a while. So is that what you're going to say about the films? Yeah. I, I don't want to go too much okay. further in. I don't want to grade them or anything. I do recommend them both. If you've seen the Oriental Murder on the Orient Express, if you've seen that and you enjoyed that. Go ahead and just watch Death on the Nile. It's it's the same kind of run. Agatha Christie was a fucking great novelist, so yeah, they they work well as movies. Sounds good. Sounds great. All right. Yeah. It's been let's caught it. up in the green of catching. In the green. Yes. So let's jump on in. <laughs> uh, first up, we we had uh, we had started with Nightmare Alley, directed by Del Toro. He also wrote it with Kim Morgan. And it's based on a novel by William Lindsay Gresham. And I'll say I'm very excited to read that novel. I've never read it before. Uh, yeah, very interesting. Yeah, very, I think I would very, enjoy it more as a novel because yeah, I like a good you character think you're study. Missing some of what's going on internally. Like, I, I feel like the actors do a good job broadcasting that. Mm-hmm. But I just. So the the Nightmare Alley is kind of split up into I mean it's more than two acts but it's easily remembered in two acts. You have the carnival half and mm-hmm. you have the post carnival half. Yeah, there there's almost like a short third act too. Yeah, it, it is pretty short, but it, I mean it is there. It's just the way I remember it. That's just how that's the easiest way to divide it, and it's it's easiest because once they left the carnival, I kind of stopped caring. I still like the movie overall because it's a very good character study and I'll, I'll discuss what that study is here. But overall, it just like once he left the car- carnival, once we lost that atmosphere and the, and it kind of moved on into the next part of the era, I was I just kind of like, oh man. And I think it might be because at least for me personally, I am very much on the side of the great Randy when it comes to like mentalists and people who take advantage of people uh, just because they know how people behave. And right. that's, that's pretty much what Bradley Cooper's character does in this film. And uh, right. I'll let you do the synopsis, though. You seem excited to talk about it. When you said the great Randy, was that a character or was that a no, reference? No, th- that's a person in real life. He's a magician okay. and he did kind of a crusade against psychics and people like that kind of like houdini did uh, right back in the day because psychics were gaining popularity again and some psychics were getting very rich (laughs) (laughs) 
So he he came out and was he fought about against that for quite some time. There's huh. this really good documentary. When I watched it, it was on Netflix. But I can't recall what it's called. So if you're interested gotcha. in that, Google the Great Randy documentary and you'll find it. <laughs> that is interesting. I didn't know anything about that. See yeah, I, I love <laughs> I love the carnival atmosphere. Like that's always been one of my favorite atmospheres. It's eerie. It's it's it has a very ominous feel mm-hmm. to it. At the same time, it's very lively and enjoyable. And it's it's kind of like the perfect merging of horror and real life. And right. it's yeah. I don't know I don't know why I love that atmosphere. It's one of my favorite all time. Like if if you're ever gonna have a horror, if I hear of a horror novel on a car- carnivore. And a carnivore. If I hear a horror <laughs> novel and a carnival, I'm going to be horror. very excited. It's it's a completely different horror right there. <laughs> We're touching Silence of the Lambs, and I'm not sure about it. Uh, uh, well, actually, no. He's he's an omnivore. He eats meat and veggies. But anyways, yeah, Jurassic Park level of horror, I guess. But like, it, I don't know. The carnival horrors. There's there's not. I mean, there's a lot of them, but there's very few good ones. But, like, Ray Bradbury, like, he has a couple – I don't remember the specifics, like, um, The Illustrated Man, I think. Or maybe it's just Illustrated Man. I, I think I think it's The Illustrated Man. Illustrated Man is by some other guy, Ralph Ellison or something like that. Completely different story. But The Illustrated Man is about, like, this uh, – it's about a carnival and it's this, like, very tattooed guy and, like, all the il- uh, illustrations have stories. And then he has, like, short stories for all the tattoos. It's really cool. Interesting. Yeah, I just, I don't know. It's those kind of stories that really grab me. So, this story, Nightmare Alley, is about uh, Stan Carlisle, played by Bradley Cooper. That's his name? I think so. I think it's yeah, Stan. Yeah, no, you're right. He, he comes to this carnival, and he, he, I don't remember exactly how, but he ends up becoming a, a member of the carnival. He starts helping the uh, the seer lady, uh, uh, Zena. First off, though, Clem Houtley hires him on as a hand. Yeah, yeah. Played by Willem Dafoe. Yeah, and he and he yeah. from there ends up working with Xena the the seer, Tony Collette. Yes. And that's where you get the um the most prestigious part about Nightmare Alley. One of the reasons many people will remember this is uh you get to see Bradley Cooper's penis. And I heard that he had a uh, a full frontal scene. That's how uh, I was told before watching this movie. And I was very disappointed. It's not full frontal. Really? You don't really. He's not like standing out of the water, and you can see his penis. It's under the water, so it's kind of distorted. And you know, you, I mean, you can see it if you're looking for it. But and I was looking for it once. Once Why? I like, you're just too thirsty, Greg. That's I'm too thirsty. I once once I saw he was in a hot tub. I was like, oh, here it is. This is the full frontal scene. Where's the penis at? And then you know, she's like, she's sitting next to the hot tub, and she puts her hand under the water. I'm like, oh, there's the penis. I see it. Yep, I see. I'm on it. I watch out for these things. Yeah. I need to know. Yeah. All right. You got to well, know. If you need to know. It was advertised. <laughs> it was in all the interviews. <laughs> I didn't watch any they, of the interviews. Typically, they wanted people to know. That it, was their, it was their hook. They knew it would bring people into the theaters, and they were damn right. It brought me there. Brought me I to was my down for Bradley Cooper and Guillermo del Toro. I was down for Guillermo del Toro. That is true too, but it's just it's a nice cherry on the on the top, you know. Come on, all right. Let I the mean, people have what they want. Yeah, if they want it, but okay, and it was yeah. consensual. Like, he wanted it too. Yes, he wanted it too. <laughs> like, and and I'm not going to say I didn't enjoy this scene, 
But also, like, I don't know. I just, I don't know. Is that our podcast now? Are we Mr. Flesh? (laughs) (laughs) We can have our little desires. (laughs) <laughs> I do actually though I really do I love do. Uh, Tony Collette I feel like that's honestly that's my biggest problem is all these awesome characters that are pulled up or that are put up up front like Willem Dafoe's Clem Tony mm. Collette's Xena uh, there's there's others I'm sure I can't I don't remember everybody well but like, we got Pete uh, David Strathrain's character right yeah. yeah, we we, talk, we somehow somehow always talked about him. <laughs> yeah, he's in everything. Yes, and I I still haven't learned how to say your name. I'm I'm sorry, but yeah, Pete uh, here kind of becomes a mentor character to Stanton, but at the same time, Stan is really just kind of grifting him. Stan grifts everybody in this film. Yeah, he just yeah, he's got a he's got a very. Uh, hinted at darkness in his past yeah. and they hint at it a lot there's a lot of flashbacks to this, this uh, I mean, exact same scene start. yeah <laughs> that, that was one thing that bothered me though is they kept cutting back to this exact same scene and in the very first time that you you see it the very first flashback it's so very clear what happens mm-hmm. so why do you keep cutting back to it like i know they're trying to like further his like character development and be like you know give right. the tragedy more depth and all that stuff i don't think they but really express who it is in that first scene i think it, that's they the don't only but reason. it's implied like immediately in the scene after like like right it, it, i don't know that whole flashback and and it bothers me that again that it is the exact same moment it's just one scene that he keeps it's kind of like shutter island uh, if you've seen Shutter Island with uh, Leo DiCaprio, the tragedy of his story, um, which I don't know, that wasn't Guillermo, was it? I don't think so. I, was it? <laughs> no, it was, that was no, Scorsese. It was no. That was Martin Scorsese. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I just remembered. But yeah, it, it is. It is. Uh, it's very similar to that, where they keep doing that flashback where Leo's cutting back to his uh, to this moment with him and his wife, mm-hmm. and you know it's that one's also kind of obvious what happened, but as it develops, it gets worse and worse. You know, there's more to it as it goes on, whereas with this one in Nightmare Alley, what you imagine up front with all of the objects that are shown to you in that first flashback, because you, you clearly see the window, you clearly see an old man in a bed, and you clearly see a, bra- a sad Bradley Cooper. It's like, yeah. got it. A plus B equals C. I know what happened in this moment. Guillermo del Toro set this scene up really well. Nice job. <laughs> and then we cut back to it a bunch more, and it's like, okay. You're not furthering his tragedy any. We already know what the tragedy is. Why do we keep cutting back to it? Um, if anything, those flashes back just help to justify the ending a little bit uh, mm-hmm. more. Because uh, there is also a lot to do with alcoholism in this film. And yes. he the character tries really hard not to have a drink uh for the first portion of the film mm-hmm. but as he does more and more dark things he starts to drink right anyhow i feel like it's kind of an expression of his 
uh, PTSD from what happens in those flashback scenes. Just catching so, up to them. So I think it's less important that we're to know that we're seeing the same scene over and over again. Is it's more important to know that he's seeing the same thing over and over again that he can't get it out of his head. Gotcha. I mean, and that that that's good. It's just I don't know for. From where I was coming at it with the movie, I was just like, oh, my God, I get it. Let's, let's right. You know, it, it was always during a moment that was very tense and exciting. I wanted it to move on. I wanted it to keep going. And then they would just pause for a second to go back to that. And it's like, yeah, we've seen this. But, yeah, I get I get that, I guess. It's just, I don't know. That's, it sounds like I'm hating on this movie. I really did enjoy it. It was very yeah. fascinating character study of, of Stan joining this carnival as like, I mean, he's already a con man, but becoming a better con man through their techniques. Like, right. I loved it. It really looks into, I don't remember if I wrote down the, the types of, um, like they, they have their tricks, like, uh, carnival, uh, mentalists and all that have their like, right. uh, speech patterns that they speak in a way. Like they'll have a, an assistant who will say things in a certain tone right. that'll let the individual on set on stage know what that character is holding in their hand or, you know, and it's, it's very fascinating and it's all very real. Like I looked into right. it and it was all, you know, legit stuff. And I haven't seen that in a lot of carnival movies and, and stories. So that was very fascinating. I love that shit. Mm-hmm. And watching wow. his character develop into this like great dark con man was really cool. And I loved, yeah, I loved Ronnie Mara was. or uh, Rooney Mara. Yes. Um, yeah. Who plays Molly, uh, Hill, who I was about to bring up, her act in the in the carnival is that she lets uh, electricity run through her body, uh, very Tesla like, acting like it's big and painful when you know it's not. <laughs> and it, they have some fun with that. In fact, the they almost get like witch hunted by these religious zealots over it. <laughs> uh, and then Bradley Cooper saves the day by pulling out the mentalist shit out of his ass right that's a good scene that was a pretty good scene um and then shortly after that he and molly run off and they start their own mentalist act together yeah but that gets interrupted by dr lilith ritter kate blanchett right she throws a a wrench into things and becomes his psychiatrist somehow <laughs> yeah it's, it's very weird like i mean that's again that's my problem with this whole movie is when it when it gets into that second half of things when mm-hmm. when him and rooney uh him and him and molly sorry when they run away and start their own stuff it's still fascinating especially when kate blanchett becomes involved because kate blanchett is one of the best actors in the world yeah. she's amazing like yeah. i fucking love watching her and she is right here as this as just another kind of leery con person, uh, yeah. con woman. It's it's very fascinating and fun still, but I'm just not as drawn because that care that carnival atmosphere is now gone. It's it's yeah. it's. I mean, it's still there slightly, but it's not the same. That that well, second half whole, just feels a little weird. Yeah, like the whole thing is about manipulation. Every single yeah. scene is about them manipulating each other, which really makes for some excellent dialogue oh yeah Yeah, so like this movie is very well worth the performances are are great there's awesome stories and monologues and stuff like that 
So I'm, I feel like I'm kind of leading into my closing statement. Is that all right with you? Mm. Yeah, um, that's fine by me. I give it a face and a half. I really liked it. It's really dark. Really, really, mm. really kind of fucked up. Um, the the ending is a little predictable, but it it's very well justified. Like it's yeah. what the story is leading up to, and it and it works. I will say that just a caveat to me saying that it's very predictable. The way he replied to what is said is so good. Yeah, and, that that is a fabulous scene. That's where you mm-hmm. kind of, uh, um, if if Bradley had been nominated for best actor, it would have been that yeah, scene. It would have been that scene, and um, he sure. wasn't. But if he had been, it, it would have been. I feel like he had to be an honorable mention in there because this yeah. is a very good performance by Bradley Cooper. I mean, it's not, it's it's not the it's similar to what he did in A Star Is Born, but it's yep. not the same caliber of performance. That was a great performance. Uh, that's an easy easy seg into my uh, segue into my closing statement because that's yet another problem I had with it is it's 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 too similar to other stories. And like, you know, again, all stories have been told, yada, yada, yada. This movie is very original. I do recommend it. It is very enjoyable. Everything that you said, good dialogue, good cinematography, the atmosphere that like the carnival atmosphere at the beginning is wonderful. It is really well captured and it's a lot of fun. It's just a lot of it was just kind of ruined for me because I was too excited. I thought it was going to be a full carnival thing. I thought it would just. I thought he was going to become like the new. Uh, I did too. Of the carnival, I thought that was what was going to happen, and I yeah. also thought that there was going to be some um, Lovecraft shit because it's Guillermo del Toro. Yes, yes. <laughs> I, like that's what, like coming into it. I, I immediately got the vibes of of uh, a Star Is Born meets Shutter Island because mm. it's like that's what I was getting from the flashback. Get. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's not as horrifying, and that was kind of also a disappointment. And then once the carnival was gone, I was like, "Oh man!" And then, I don't know. I mean, the geek scene the was pretty wasn't as exciting. The, what was that? The geek scene with Paul Anderson. Oh yeah, yeah that that's pretty horrifying. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot of good stuff, and it's just it's it, I don't know. It's not as it wasn't as hype satisfying i guess you know it had a lot of hype going into it and it just kind of let me down a bit i do again still enjoy and recommend it i did have one more thing and it's not this movie's fault it's more of whoever sets up interviews faults Mm. uh for like to push the movie to broadcast the movie and i only really saw one interview from bradley cooper for this and it was on stephen colbert and the clip they played was the finale it was the last scene yeah that's that was the clip that they showed out of context completely fine you don't know anything you know i was just like oh okay yeah that was a great scene like wow good job bradley cooper that's pretty cool and then watching the movie i was like oh no oh no i think they they showed me the finale i knew the finale coming up because it was very obvious given where his character is in that moment that that was going to be an end game moment. That was yeah. going to be a finale thing. And I was just like, oh my, it was kind of upsetting. So whoever sets up the interviews, I doubt you'll ever hear this, but like, fuck you, man. Don't show the finale. <laughs> <yet>. <laughs> Don't show Straight the finale up. when you're trying to promote a movie. <laughs> show another scene. Show something from the beginning. That oh, was dude. dumb. 
Yeah, that was good. Soda Pop. Greatest oh, I didn't even rate it. I give it. I give it three stars. I, I gave it three stars. I still yeah, liked it. Good movie. It's not my favorite Guillermo del Toro, but it's still a it's still a damn good movie. So, I quite enjoyed it. I think I'm. Uh, I think maybe because I didn't watch anything about this movie, had no expectations going in. I did miss a little bit of Monster Magic, but it's a great yeah look into manipulation and. All sorts of things. And also, I don't know if we actually said it's based during the Great Depression. So mm. everybody is desperate. So there's definitely this feeling of desperation throughout. And I and I appreciate everything that the film did. So here we go. Yeah. Soda pop. Right. The French Dispatch of the Liberty Kansas Evening Sun. You want to know a fun fact I found out when I was researching this film? What? Jason Schwartzman. Is a cousin to Nick Cage. He's part of the Coppola family. <laughs> Jason Schwartzman. I don't know if I know who that is. Is it the? Uh, he's in like every Wes Anderson the movie. The Mount Rushmore um, kid. Uh, yes, okay. I believe so. Uh, he was also in Grand Budapest Hotel. He was one of the guys at the waiting desk. Yeah, I don't know. He's just, he's in so much. Basically, with this movie, you get every single Wes Anderson regular back plus Benicio Del Toro, so that's kind of fun. (laughs) Is the French Dispatch real? I do not believe so, but this is most certainly a love letter to journalists. Yes. One that I quite enjoyed, I don't mind saying up front. I had a brief, uh, tiniest brief passion of becoming a journalist before I realized I just want to be a writer. I don't yeah. want to. <laughs> I don't want to go places and write about that. I just kind of want to. I don't want to write about the news. Oh. I just want to write fiction. <laughs> but boy, did this movie! Uh, it really made journalism journalism very fascinating. God. Let's do it. Yeah, I gonna need help with the synopsis probably. Just because just of the format. No, 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 no. <clears throat> because it's my turn. Oh. We're back. We're doing it. <laughs> Oh, we've been back. I'm keeping most of that. <laughs> no, you're not. So, <laughs> this is uh, the French Dispatch of the Liberty, Kansas. What's the last bit? Evening Sun. Evening Sun. That's yes. it. It's great. <laughs> um, it's a. It's the new Wes Anderson movie. It is done in a vignette style, uh, but it is yes. also. It is also just the video audio interpretation of a single issue, the last issue of a magazine, The French Dispatch, which was run by Bill Murray's character, Arthur Howitzer Jr. He was the. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Yes. And it starts out with his obituary. Like, that's what the beginning of the movie is. Right. Like, you know, very Wes Anderson style. The titles are part of the art, and he puts out what this issue of the French Dispatch is going to entail. First thing on that list is obituary, and it's Bill. It's it's Arthur Howard Sears Jr.'s obituary, and he must yeah. have just died too because he was like working in all the other scenes. <laughs> <he's working. laughs> they found him at work. Yeah, at his desk. <laughs> yeah, they might have. <laughs> they did it's in the movie oh right okay i've just yeah there was a lot of things that happened in this movie and i think yeah. it's one of those movies that you're gonna have to watch more than once 
Uh, Every West because Anderson of the structure. Is, honestly. Every West Anderson, sure. But this one particularly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, uh, that's the thing is he's just becoming uh, kind of a trope. Um, yeah, and one sure. I love. Uh, like, I yeah, have no I shame saying, like, I know there's a lot of uh, the, the cinema world seems to have churned where it's like no longer Wes Anderson is like a masterpiece. It's just like, oh, Wes Anderson's style is just like, I get it, man. And I'm just like, no, I still right. love it. Like, I, I, I get excited for it. I am with you. But people are yeah. gonna hate this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't think so because I think it is just as satisfying as more of his. Like, it's it's not one of it's not like Steve, uh, uh, the Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou or or the Grand Budapest Hotel. It's like it doesn't have that climactic, you know, ending. Yeah, that that climactic oomph. But it still has all of that Wes Anderson high art beauty. Mm-hmm. And like it's it's still fascinating to watch. And some I things was like, are said, some things about life. You know, there's like we said, several different stories. You're gonna have to remind me what Owen Wilson's story was like, but I think that was the first one, right? I think so. Like it basically, what happens is after after you see that Bill Murray has died, as you said, it's just it's just the magazine told visually, uh-huh. and the next the first story I guess after the obituary is the cycling reporter, which is just <laughs> Owen Wilson telling what the day is like cycling around town. He's <laughs> very Kansas. poetic. Uh, his character's <laughs> name is Herb Saint Sazerac. <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. I love it. Yeah. Um, it might be different than that because this is supposed to be in France. So you might not say Herb Saint that way. Might be Probably not. Song. Yes. <laughs> hey, so we quaint. said it about the same. So maybe, you know, it, it, it might just be that we're that hive mind or that <laughs> we're right. We could be right. <laughs> oh, man. No, it's it's a very hilarious. Uh, I don't know. It's 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 his humor style. If you've seen Wes Anderson before and you haven't laughed, mm-hmm. don't watch this. Like obviously, like you clearly <laughs> don't fair. have that humor. But like his the, the delivery that you get, especially from Owen Wilson during that scene, is so funny because he's just like he's just mundanely just like talking to you about you know what how it's like riding your bike through town being a cyclist as he's just like holding on to a truck and just like pedaling along and he's like ah so then you're just gonna be doing this blah 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 and then like of course there's a moment where you've seen it if you, if you watch the trailers you've seen this because it's in the trailer where he's just like talking to the camera and he looks forward and he's like oh and he puts both hands on the steering on the on the on the, <laughs> on the uh, handlebars and then just falls down the subway stairway yeah he's just like wasn't looking where he was going <laughs> Like it's it's funny it's it's hilarious to me. I was laughing constantly throughout. I was really enjoying it. I will have I will say that the transitions threw me because there aren't any. <laughs> that's that's how it kind of feels because it, it it really goes from one story to the next. Sometimes there's a little bit of Bill Murray with that the writer, but I don't think that happened every single time. Maybe it did, but either way. Probably because I didn't quite catch that we were just doing the magazine at first. The interval, the the changing of the stories threw me. Because I'm like, okay, so when does the other narrative come back in? They don't, just so you know. (laughs) Right. Some of them do affect, like have tiny, tiny effects into other stories. Like you'll see... 
certain small things, but like, yeah, not until the ending do they do they really come back at all. Yeah, and they only come back because all the people who wrote these stories are in the same room. Exactly, getting that final issue prepared. Um, so the uh, the next story, the I think it's the the first story is the concrete masterpiece. Uh, oh Benicio yes, Del Toro with, and uh, Adrian Brody and Leia Sato. Yes, so I that I don't know if I'm saying her last name right. So apologies, uh, I Leia. think Sato is probably as close as we're going to get. But she plays Simone. Yes, uh, Benicio plays Moses rosenthaler and he is uh he is in a uh maximum security prison maybe the psychiatric ward even <laughs> but he is an artist a forgotten artist and he draws yeah. he he just after like 20 or 30 years of just being in his cell he decided to come out and join the painting crafting uh department of of that and uh somehow he got uh simone alone with him in a room and she was his muse and painted a new masterpiece very abstract but also it it is really good painting i like it anyways i get it i can see it i can see it i can visualize it i don't know (laughs) what the title was i forget but it was quite long you know another wes anderson thing to do is make titles of things super long which i do that too so anyhow yeah the last part of it was simone and julian cadazio adrian brody's character comes in and is like i want to buy your art even though he's a prisoner too like he's like when i get out i want to buy your art and he's like well that depends and and she, he's like, on what? What she has to say. And she, he's like, she doesn't own your art. And he's like, no, she's Simone. <laughs> and uh, I, so knowing that she's Simone ahead of time kind of ruins that joke, but whatever. Anyhow, the story is about how he got rich and famous again and how Tilda Swinton uh, did a presentation on it. And I don't remember who right. wrote that particular story article for the french dispatch it might have been tilda swinton's character i think it was tilda swinton well she plays jkl baronson and she is as hilarious as she always is i don't know i always find something funny about her performance and i i she's just just, so fucking good that she can get away with being comical that's that's what it is tilda swinton's another one of my favorite actors i mean that's the kind of thing is like i kind of my love for films honestly kind of blossomed with Wes Anderson. Like right. when I first saw Wes and the Wes Anderson film was when I was like, Oh my God, I kind of want to work on one of these films. And like, that's kind of where a lot of my love for this came. It's and a movie for cinephiles. Yeah, it really is. And yeah. like, honestly though, uh, all the actors that he gets, cause it's not hard for him to get actors to work with him. He basically just says, you want to work on my movie and most actors will jump at it. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds fun to but me. Like all of the actors he gets are like some of my favorites, and uh, and the concrete masterpiece. This first short was <laughs> probably my favorite. Of, oh yeah, of all I loved though. it. I was like, it's so oh, good. This is what the movie's about, and then it changes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's that's always the thing with anthologies. It's just kind of always just like, oh my god, I got you get attached to one story, and then you're immediately like, oh. But like, not only do you have Benicio and Tilda, uh, Leia Sado, 
herself is really good. She was in mm-hmm. um, the the first time I heard about her was Blue is the Warmest Color, uh, but she was oh. also in Grand Budapest Hotel. Mm-hmm. She's also Inspector and No Time to Die. I haven't seen No Time to Die, but you know she's a Bond girl now. So, like, her career is blossoming. I haven't seen the new Bond one either. I love her opposite Benicio because Benicio is wild in this. (laughs) Yeah, he sure is. I think it's my favorite performance of his. I think it is. It's either that or Usual Suspects. Yeah. You can't I would say it's either this or uh, or, uh, Sicario. I really love his Sicario performance. So, I couldn't say. Oh, we'll have to fix that. We'll have to do a Denis Villeneuve playlist or something. Sounds good. But. Yeah, I, I enjoyed this one a lot. I do want to also say uh, three more actors that were in this that I I love. Uh, Adrian Brody's business partners, Bob Balaban and Henry Winkler. Oh, yeah. Bob Balaban's been in a lot of other Wes Anderson movies. He's the the fisherman in Moon, uh, Moon, Moonrise Kingdom, yes, yes, the guy in yes. the yellow boots. Yeah, wonderful actor. I love him. And Henry Winkler, of course, is hilarious. But the, other, the last actor I wanted to mention before we move on is Tony Revolori. Who plays a young Benicio del Toro? Oh, right. Uh, he yes. was in. Yeah, he was the Grand Budapest kid, and he's great. He does a good job yes. as as a young del Toro. He sells it pretty well. Uh, yeah. Well, he he plays a young Moses. Right. I'm yes. just saying. <laughs> Which is del Toro's character? Come on. He plays like del Toro playing Moses Rosenthaler. You know, my brain sucks at remembering character names. <laughs> I just called them the actors. I'm sorry. I won't make fun of you anymore. Okay. <laughs> so, we are moving on to, I believe, Jeffrey Wright's uh, story, right? No. Uh, it's Next is Francis McDormand's oh, okay. Revisions to a Manifesto. Okay. This also felt like the main part of the movie. So, uh, yeah. Francis McDormand plays Lucinda Kremitz, who I feel like is, like, uh, I feel like they say she's a Pulitzer winner or something. I don't know. Yeah, she's some really big She's supposed to be pretty prestigious. And uh, she meets this kid, played by Timothy Chalamet. His name is Zeffirelli. Um, (laughs) And uh, (laughs) he's a teenager, and he kind of, like, falls in love with Francis a little bit but not really yeah, yes. like she sleeps with him which is really weird to me yeah. which there's kind of that weird stuff in Wes Anderson sometimes but i mean that i mean that's also just a, a weird a story trope in and of yeah. itself is yeah. young man falling for the older woman right but anyhow she decides because he has this manifesto which she edits that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that she's going to follow him through this journey of bringing forth the tenets or whatever in his manifesto, uh, is this also is Lena uh, Caldry who plays Juliet? Yes. So uh, they are joined by a bunch of youths, including uh, Juliet, who has she like rides this Vespa and has uh, the helmet on all the time. Yeah. Uh, she is in love with with Zeffirelli, and they. I don't actually remember what they're trying to accomplish. It's. I don't either. Honestly, this is the one that I forget. <laughs> it seems so important, but I, I think like basically their problem was that like 
people aren't allowed to just live. Like they have to, why are, why are people working at these jobs that, you know, it's, it's basically something, I don't know. He, he's an anarchist or something, whatever. Fuck. It's very convoluted. (laughs) They don't actually talk about what's in the manifesto. I feel like. No, I don't think ever they do. So she sticks around with them and she writes the story and I'm going to leave what happens to Zeffirelli for the viewer, I think. Then it's yeah. Jeffrey Wright's story, right? Yes. Okay. The uh, Je- the private dining room of the police commissioner. Yes. So Jeffrey Wright playing uh, Roebuck Wright. So probably wasn't that hard. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Come on now. No, yeah. <laughs> He's amazing in he this. He was amazing. I do. I love him in this. Uh, and he... <laughs> So what happens is that he's in an interview with Leif Schreiber. Yeah. He is a television reporter interviewing Roebuck Wright about his journalism and asking him about his ability to remember nearly everything that he's ever been. And he asks him to recite one particular article that he has written. And he does verbatim over television. And that's the whole segment. <laughs> so when I say Leaf yes. Schreiber really has a small role in there, he literally is there to introduce Roebuck Wright. That is it. Yeah, and then they and well they they have they have a little back and forth every now and then yet. when the story gets wild. I can't. Yeah, they'll they'll cut back to Leaf being like, "Whoa!" And then what happened? Or you know, like something like that. Like, <laughs> yeah, because he's still like, even though he can remember every word he says, he's still like his brain still trails off. And, uh, yeah, he is still such thoughts. a great storyteller, but yeah. he he does <laughs> he does get lost in his stories. Uh, so the story that he is retelling is about a time where he he's a food critic. That's his job, and he <laughs> and he yeah. goes to what he thinks is the police ballroom, but he either got the wrong address or something, and he walks in on like a crime happening. I can't remember all the details. <laughs> But it's very fast, very like has like this jazzy pace to it. I really yeah. enjoy it, and he's just, the detail he gives is just amazing. Everything that mm-hmm. he talks about has to deal with food in some way, and he explains that, and that's a wonderful part of his story. And I'm and I'm glad that they put his story towards the end because it did feel kind of like I think Bill Murray put it best. That's what 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 makes the story worth telling. It was it was one of the moments that felt that way. And so when he actually is describing the food though too, that's phenomenal. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) But also it's just Jeffrey Wright's voice. It's just Oh yeah. It's just amazing. He's gotta listen to him to say anything. And this and this story also has uh Willem Dafoe as well and Edward Norton and uh I think her first name is pronounced Shirsi Sharice Sharice Ronan. Uh, it's, it's got a lot of big cast people in this story as well. Yeah. And it's, as you said, it's, it's, it's a fun, fast paced story. I don't, I also don't remember a lot of the details. I just remembered enjoying the crap out of it, mostly because of Jeffrey Wright's storytelling. Yes. It's great. Great, uh, narration writing on the side of the Yes. And, uh, fun fact, uh, we talked two Willem Dafoe films today. Yeah, we did. And thanks to my green ketchup, we talked to Jeffrey Wright films because Jeffrey Wright's in The Batman. There you he's go. He's fucking phenomenal in it. <laughs> Who's he play? Uh, he plays Gordon. 
Oh, cool. That's right. I've seen that. Yeah. And in the trailer. That's yeah. Right. He is a great Jim Gordon, too. I really, right, I really cool. love it. Well, I'm already excited to watch that movie. Um, I give this movie a, a full face. I really enjoy it. I'm definitely going to watch it again. I, I like Wes Anderson's style. I honestly, dude, I really do think a lot of people are going to really dislike this movie. Um, I, <laughs> I have not read that many reviews, but the first review that I saw was it saying that it was like a mess and stuff and like that's not true it's very well organized movie every Wes anderson movie is very well organized (laughs) that's what i was saying like people people have flipped on wes anderson now it's it's no longer like they don't see it for the 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 fun storytelling and the art cinema like the most people nowadays are just kind of going in it's like yeah it's well it's his style it sucks it's that kind of a film i think if you like wes anderson you're gonna love this film like i it's, agree i give it three stars it's it, it made me laugh so fucking much i was enjoying the crap out of it but i knew what i was gonna expect you know i was expecting this this is what i was expecting this is what i got did you know about it being articles ahead of time I did not. I had no idea what this movie was about. I just saw the one trailer and knew it was about that. It was like a, a love story to journalism. That's all I basically knew. And yeah, I, I definitely enjoy it. In regards to who wins between the two, mm-hmm. uh, I personally pick French Dispatch because I laughed a lot and had a great time. Whereas with Nightmare Alley, I had a great time for half of the movie. And then the other half, I was like, can we get back to the first half of the movie? <laughs> I appreciate that. And I would say it's very close with these films. I know I didn't give French Dispatch a face and a half. And I did Nightmare Alley. I'm going to go with Nightmare Alley. They're very close, Mm -hmm. though. uh, Because I think they're both very good films. Very well-constructed storytelling. And it seems like a part that I felt like added to Nightmare Alley, you kind of felt like took away from it. So... I mean, that's that's criticism right there. So I'm yeah. going to give it to Nightmare Alley. And that's fair. And like at the same time, I think the the part that bothered me about Nightmare Alley, I think that's still great because as a character study for the character study, it's mm-hmm. fabulous. You know, it's like that's what I was, that's what I'm trying to, to get at is that there are many times where I'm going to sound very detrimental to a film that right. I love. And it's just because it didn't go the way I wanted it to, which is still fucking wonderful right you know film yeah. doesn't have to do what i want it to do it's right. it's got to do what the the artist wanted to do but yeah it's just it's just for me that that loss of that atmosphere lost me it lost mm. my my focus i was i was super riveted and then i just it lost me but like if i if going back into it like watching it a second time i think i'm gonna love it even more like i think i'll love it a whole lot more so amen <laughs> that's the show i think that's been uh, the uh that's been the show yeah yeah i am the green traveler i thought you were gonna say so i am the green traveler from gorsh <laughs> and i am the face of Leone. safe travels and good night hope you enjoyed it we didn't mention our patreon go to patreon.com slash green faceless if you enjoyed the show please uh you know if you want to support us that'd be great have a good night safe travels Bye. Green and Faceless on the Couch is a proud production of Fiction Works 19. If you like the show, please show your support by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. Like, follow, subscribe, wherever you might listen. We also now have a Patreon account. 
If you feel so inclined to support us in a financial manner, please become a patron by visiting patreon.com slash greenandfaceless. You can also find more information about us on our Facebook account or on the FictionWorks19 Instagram account. Thank you so much for listening.